Well, good morning, everybody. I'm excited to get into this. Um, we're going to be on week four of Rooted, uh, which is Where is God in the Midst of Suffering? Yay. <laughs> and so Pastor Andy, he's, he's out of town this week. He, he taught a really awesome workshop at a conference um, over in California, and he's actually at his brother's church in um, uh, California preaching three services today. So if this feels like a lot, man, Pastor Andy's got uh, this times three. And so um, that's what we're going to get into today is, is where is God in the midst of suffering? So let's pray before we get into this. God, I thank you so much for your goodness to us. Um, Lord, I thank you that you're in the suffering, and God, that your word can guide us and counsel us uh, through, this, through this topic. And Lord, I pray that as we get into it this morning, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would actually break some things off and start to introduce us to more of your love and more of your purpose for our life. And we thank you for that, Jesus, in your name. Amen. amen. So, Psalm 34, 18. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Recently, I started uh, the, the going into this year, decided that I'm going to uh, work out. I'm going to just make it a part of my daily routine as I'm just going to go to the gym and work out. And if anybody knows anything about that, it, there's an element of suffering involved with that. And on Monday, as I was waking up, uh, last Monday, I was just so cranky. I was cranky about waking up. I was cranky about reading the Bible. I was cranky about going to the park to pray. And I was cranky about going to the gym. And I was sitting in the parking lot of Gold's Gym at 7.30 uh, to meet Brian Zekan over here and praying and hoping that he would not show up because then I could finally get out of it. But he did show up. And so we go in there and we're working out and I'm suffering through, you know, lifting these weights. And I have like uh, two, like one or two 45 pound plates on this thing and just grinding through it. And if suffering, uh, the process of lifting weights wasn't bad enough, I also had to suffer. You know what I'm talking about. I had to suffer the shame and the embarrassment of pulling three, four, five plates off because I'm doing 90 pounds and Brian Zekin's doing like 245 pounds like he's swatting flies away. So I'm sitting there like just barely doing my sets and he's just like, yeah, man, I love lifting weights. It's so good with like 300 pounds on here. It was miserable. But all jokes aside, uh, suffering is real. There are some good things that come out of it. But it's just not an easy topic to get into. And when I saw that my week to preach fell on this topic, I was actually really uncomfortable and kind of psyched by it. I've, maybe like a lot of you, I spent a lot of my time and effort avoiding suffering and trying to not immerse myself into it or think about it or experience it. But I can say that after these last few weeks of really digging in, studying and immersing myself in the reality of suffering, the source of suffering, our response to suffering, and where is God in the midst of suffering, I'm honestly really excited to get into this this morning, and, and I think that God's going to do some incredible things through this morning and through our week in Rooted uh, as we get into suffering. You know, and I'm, so I'm going to approach this topic with as much empathy and humility as possible. Try as we might to ease the burden of suffering in the world through big theological ideas or, or Christianese sayings, any of these efforts to explain away the reality of suffering at best offer cold comfort and at worst we can cause confusion and resentment. Any insecurity that, that we have, that I have, that you have about the presence of suffering in the world is not shared by God. He's aware 
And it's not like he's caught off guard like with the, his hand in the cookie jar when we bring up the question of suffering and, and why it's here and why we have to go through it. He's aware. Any attempt at defending God for the reality of suffering is just as foolish. I am not God's defense attorney. I don't need to sit here and defend him. He's the Lord. He's God. Thank you so much. I don't need to do that. Uh, Isaiah 40 verse 13 says, Who can fathom the spirit of the Lord or instruct the Lord as his counselor? My role this morning is to be an ambassador, someone who is representing God's kingdom, to share the message of hope that, yes, suffering is real, but there's a purpose for the pain, and there can be peace in the pain. The uncertainty and mystery of suffering we have is not shared by God, but the pain and the discomfort about suffering that we all experience is something that God is fully aware of, as we'll see as we get into this this morning. So the question that we've got to start with is, what is the source of suffering? And without getting into the theological or philosophical weeds on this, because there's a lot of questions that come out of that question, what is the source of suffering? The primary source of suffering as we know it is essentially the rejection of God and the rebellion against God and his will for our lives. From the fall of Lucifer as an angel to the fall of man in the garden when they rejected God's will and calling for the life to all of the suffering that we see today, suffering runs rampant throughout the world. Because those that God created with free will have rejected his will for them. And out of that, there's three types of suffering that, that have come from rejecting God and rebelling against God. The first type is natural suffering. We see this in the environment. We see this in animals with physical pain, a disease. If you're out in the sun too long, you're going to get sunburned. If you're out in the cold too long, you're going to get frostbitten. And Romans 8, 20 through 21 says that for the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. There's suffering, there's frustration, not because it was created that way, but because somebody subjected it to it by rejecting God's will, by rebelling against God's call. And out of that, there's suffering. Out of that, we have all that pain. And there's hope that someday this bondage to decay will be, will be liberated from it and brought into freedom and glory of the children of God. It's an incredible verse. The other type of uh, suffering we experience is human suffering. And we see this through abuse, Betrayal and violence. I, I, we're not going to do it, but I'm sure if you, we raise hands in this room, who has experienced some form of trauma or abuse in the life, I guarantee you two-thirds, if not more, would have their hand up. We're all aware of this human-to-human -human suffering that takes place. And, you know, when God created humans, he created us to subdue and have dominion and to rule the earth and not each other. But because of rejection, because of rebellion against God, we have all of this abuse and all of this betrayal and abandonment. And so there's suffering, but there's also hope. Revelation 21 verse 3 says that he will wipe every tear from their eyes. 
There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. There is hope for a new way of living life. The old order, the bondage to decay will be done away with and those who have hidden their lives, their lives are hidden in Christ will experience this reality of no more pain, no more crying, no more tears. The other type of suffering that we experience is demonic and we see this through accusation and manipulation and cults. In Revelation 12.10, uh, we see that the devil is called the accuser of the brethren. <clears throat> in Matthew 4, all throughout that chapter when Jesus is being tempted, Satan is manipulating scripture and twisting it and distorting it to try to get Jesus to stumble. And we see in 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 4, we're taught how demonic doctrines or teachings can cause cults. And if you had any type of experience with any cult in any way, it is painful. It is terrifying and it's a, it's a very real suffering that we experience. But the hope that we have with that is this. Look at this verse in Romans 16, 20, that the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. I just love that, right? Like, we're going to crush him under our feet. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. It's just such an exciting verse because we've all suffered these different things. And, and a lot of it does come from the rejection and rebellion that Lucifer, who became Satan, has done. But there's also other types of suffering that we've experienced from just Adam and Eve and, and humanity's rejection, rebellion against God. And as we look at those three types of sufferings, we have three responses. Number one, we can reject God. Now, rejecting God, track with me on this. Rejecting God because of suffering is like lighting myself on fire because I don't like that fire is destructive. The whole reason why there is suffering is because of the rejection and rebellion against God. And when we see the suffering in the world and we say, you know what? No, I don't want to have anything to do with that. It's like dousing ourselves with gas and lighting ourselves on fire because, pain, because fire is painful. The whole reason why there's suffering is because we, the rejection of God. And so to do that, increases and multiplies the suffering. Another option we have is to simply self-destruct. Any of our attempts to cope with the pain of suffering and the pain that we experience in life will, lend, will end and lead to destruction. There's not enough drugs. There's not enough alcohol. There's not enough food. There's not enough anything, entertainment, distractions in the world. There's not even enough meditation and right thinking and positive thinking that can solve what's going on inside of us. There's only one solution to suffering, and that is to accept God. God's will for your life is to be in relationship with him forever. Heaven was made for man. Hell was not made for man. Being separated from God for eternity is not what he designed and created us to do. His will is for us forever to be in relationship with him. There's an awesome story. Um, this uh, uh, 70s worship artist, some of you might remember him, Keith Green, right? Jason? Yeah, I know Jason likes some Keith Green. So Keith Green, back in the like, late 60s, early 70s, he was a hippie. He was part of the hippie culture, and he did a lot of substances and did a lot of transcendental meditation and, and really opened himself up to a lot of different religions. And so one day he just sat down 
And he, he lined them all up. He's like, man, the Hindus say that Jesus is a God. The Buddhists say that Jesus is a Buddha, which is a God. The, the Krishnas say that he is divine. All of these different religions acknowledge the, the, the Godship of Jesus. But what does Jesus say in John 14, 6? I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father but through me. And so just logically, he said, if all of these other world religions acknowledge Jesus as God, and he's saying, I'm the only way to the Father, maybe I should start praying to Jesus. And so for two years, he wasn't fully saved. He just started praying to Jesus. And one day, as he's walking, it just hit him. Jesus is God. And he was baptized in the Holy Spirit, got baptized in water, and went on to to change the world, to change the whole landscape of, of Christian worship music. And so John 1, 12, 13 says that, To all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of a natural descent or a human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. God's desire is to bring us back into right relationship with him, where his will for our lives is lined up with our will, and we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to walk out the call and the destiny and the purpose that God has for our lives with each other shoulder to shoulder. And the primary tool that God uses to bring us back into right relationship with him is through suffering. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities, our sin, our wrongdoing, our rejection, our rebellion. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. And we all like sheep have gone astray, each of us to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. If we want to know where God is in the midst of suffering We have to look no farther than the cross. All throughout the Gospels, we see Jesus being abandoned by his friends in the biggest time of need. We see him being falsely accused of things he never did wrong. We see him suffering violence at the hands of his tormentors, nailed to the cross, abandoned by his father, suffering the full penalty of sin. My sin, the world's sin, not just one individual person, but the full punishment of all the rejection and rebellion was poured into him as he was our atoning sacrifice, as he died perfect, holy, selflessly suffered every level of suffering imaginable for me, for you. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God did not create suffering, but he uses suffering to our benefit. And the cross is the ultimate example. In John chapter 16, Jesus is talking about grief being turned to joy as he's preparing his disciples for his crucifixion. And in verse 33, he says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. In this world there will be trouble, 
It still subjected creation, the world, our own flesh to frustration. In this world, there will be trouble, but take heart. Jesus has won. Be encouraged. Be confident in your call and the love that God has for you. Jesus has overcome. He has won. Yeah, there's still pain. There's still suffering. There's all of that, but there's purpose in the pain. The cross isn't the end of the story. There's an empty tomb. There's a resurrection life that God has available to us to walk a new life, to walk in a new way. And that takes all of the suffering and everything that we experience and turns it out for our good. Romans 8, 28 says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now, all things means all things. God is not shocked or uncomfortable or dismayed or thrown off by suffering. He's going to work all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. About 10 years ago, everything that I had been building my life on was swept out from under me. The ministry team that Jenna and I had been a part of right before our very eyes imploded in the most painful and shocking way. And as we were leaving one of these meetings where everything just came to a complete total head, we're driving in our cars completely shocked and I knew everything had changed. That, and I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know what it was going to look like. And I was terrified. I remember asking God, what are you doing? What does this mean for me? I don't know what is going on. Everything just changed. It, like the world was totally new and it was terrifying. And I heard God say very clearly to me, Kyle, I'm going to establish myself as your father. And all the affection and all the adoration and all the worship that I had put onto other people God was removing that, and it was painful. The days, the weeks, months, a couple of years after that were some of the most painful and terrifying years and moments of my life. Everything that I'd built on was stripped away. But God, I knew that in that suffering and in that pain, there was a purpose for it because God was making himself my father, was, was showing me what it meant to be a son of God, not a son or a follower of another person, a spiritual leader, a pastor, a human father figure, but of him, as himself. In Psalm 119, 67, it says, before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I obey your word. And again, in Psalm 119, 71, it was good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn your decrees and your ways. This isn't some morbid masochistic, you know, I just want to suffer, right? There's a purpose for the pain. It's to know God better. And all the suffering, all the things that we go through, the hardships, they're real. But it says in Hebrews that we don't have a high priest who's unable to empathize with us. Jesus knows what suffering is like. He experienced it to the fullest. We think that oftentimes that our pain and our suffering in life makes us unique. It doesn't. Pain is universal. Suffering is universal. The only unique suffering in this world that ever happened was the suffering that Jesus went through. Because he was perfect. He was flawless. And he bore our penalty. The thing that makes us unique isn't our pain and our suffering. The thing that makes us unique is the way that God moves through us and heals our pain. And the stories that we have that come out of the hardship and the suffering where we can say, man, look what God did. 
Man, I'm so, like, not to be weird or morbid about it, but I'm so glad that it happened because it shows the glory of God in my life. Because I get to experience the healing, and I get to watch as God established himself as my father. C.S. Lewis uh, said that, uh, that God shouts in our pain, and it is his, his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Again, empathy, humility, pain is real. Suffering is real. God has a purpose for it. I don't know what that is for you. I'm not God. I can't help you. I don't know how to, how to answer that for you other than to say, spend time with him. Ask him. He's not shocked by it. When I was dealing with a lot of physical healing, miraculous physical healing in my body, those, those of you who know me five, six, ten years ago, man, like I wasn't going on five-day backpacking trips through the Oregon mountains. I could barely push a shopping cart. But miraculous healing took place. And, and even as that process was unfolding, there'd be times where like I would have pain. And I'd say, God, like why? Why is this happening? Rather than being frustrated, rather than rejecting God, rather than self-destructing, I'd say, okay, God, what's your will for me in this? And, and in those moments, for me, it might not be this way for you, but in those moments for me, God said, Kyle, I want you to ask for help. You're hurting. You're in pain. Call your friends for prayer. In the past, I'd never do that. I would just put it all inside and try to self-medicate and all that stuff. And so through that process of physical healing, I began to lean on the people that God had put in my life. And so I've shared, you know, my stories and you know, the, the, I think that's the best way for us to really try to understand suffering and the purpose of suffering is through the testimony that we have in our lives. Again, trying to just explain it away through, you know, theological profundities and, and, and philosophical sayings and christian stuff, it doesn't work, man. It just doesn't work because it, it, just, it just doesn't do it as much as, as effectively as a testimony can. Revelation 12, 11 uh, says that we, we triumph and we win by the blood of the lamb, which is a sacrifice that Jesus made, and, that by, and by the word of their testimony as we share what God has done. So there's tr- victory and there's triumphing because of what Jesus has done through what we say, through the testimony of our lives, how God has healed us, how God has taken away that pain or used that pain or is excuse me, currently using that pain to, to glorify himself. And so, again, I've shared some of my stories, but um, the whole time that I was preparing for this, I kept getting this nudge uh, from the Holy Spirit to, to have Nisha Pontiano share a little bit of her testimony, what she experienced around suffering. And so I'm going to have her come up here in a second. I, I do want to uh, just throw out there that she's kind of uh, forewarned, give me a heads up, that her testimony is pretty graphic. There's some pretty severe things that she went through. And so if there's kids, if you're uncomfortable with uh, certain violent acts, um, you, you can go ahead and, you know, you can head out if you want. Uh, but she's going to be very raw and real and transparent because I, I believe, and according to what we see about Jesus, that being honest with the suffering, not trying to hide it, not trying to like, you know, m- you know put it underneath like, hey, we're all good. Being honest, being real, being transparent, there's actually a lot of freedom that can come out of that, as again, we saw on the cross. So um, if we could, um, don't give her a hand. She's going to come up. She's super nervous. And so uh, we got a microphone there for you. Uh, Brandy, you want to come up with her? So she's going to share a little bit about her, her experience with suffering, what God has done in her life. Do you want me to stay up here or do you want Brandon to? Okay, I'll be right over here if you need anything. Good morning. Like you said, I'm a little nervous. I've never public- publicly shared my story before, so... All right, so a little bit about me. I grew up in a church. My dad was a worship leader. We were heavily involved in youth ministry. 
Um, we would do things like 48-hour uh, famines and just be surrounded with a bunch of different churches and different events and stuff like that. And, excuse me, I'm shaking. <laughs> um, so, my dad was pretty abusive to myself, my brother, and my mom. Um, but I thought that was normal. He was still my, my hero. Um, let's, but the one thing I am grateful for during my growing up is that he instilled God into my life. Um, he, he showed me what it looks like to have a relationship with God and kind of keep him as our guide. Um, but whenever I was 14, we found out my dad was cheating on my mom with the piano player in the worship team slash my mom's best friend. And so at that point in time, I felt my whole life was a lie. It was shattered. You know, I grew up in church learning all the different, you know, verses and things like that. And then my life turned upside down and I was, ter- it was, it was horrible. Um, so I, you know, then rebelled and started experimenting with drugs and stuff like that. And I ran away from home. And then during that time, my mom decided it was best for me to go live with my grandparents. So at 14, I went to stay with them. My grandma was like the most godly woman I've ever met. She was just exactly what I needed at that point in time in my life. Um, I got married at a really young age. Uh, my husband at the time was really abusive and controlling. Um, and so drugs at that point had become my best friend. Just anything I could to, to numb and not have to deal with reality. But when I was 19, my nephew was born. My stepbrother was holding this newborn baby and doing drugs at the same time. I went home that day and I decided I was never going to be that parent. So from about 19 to 31, somewhere around that time frame, I, had, I was sober from drugs for almost 11 years, or a little over 11 years, was sober. And I say sober from drugs, but I never knew anything about addiction. Addiction isn't just the use of drugs or, or drinking or anything like that. It's the impulsiveness, the irrational decision-making and stuff like that. So during that 11 years of no drug use, I still had the mentality of an addict. My life was always just chaotic, and I think I liked it that way, to be honest. Um, Let's see. So at 31, I started dating a guy. And let's see. uh, We can, sorry, this is a little, it's a little hard to share, a little hard to talk about. So a weekend trip, I had a truck, he had a camper. We were like, oh, let's go hang out for the weekend, get away. So we did that. Um, We get to a lake where nobody ever goes to. Um, It's actually, I found out later, the lake where they would take stolen cars and dump it into the lake. Nobody would find them there. Um, Lots of terrible things just started happening. I was... um, I was tied up for about three months, tortured, raped, forced to do sexual acts that nobody should have to. Um, Everything happened at night, and so as I would be tied up, I would look for shadows to see what was coming next, because I never knew what was going to happen. I, may, I was forced to record videos telling my children goodbye that I would never see them again or my family. 
Bear with me. Um, so the last time he ever did anything to me, I, he wrapped me in plastic, like the thick painter's plastic. At that point, I was praying to God every day that he would just end my life to make it be over. I couldn't handle anymore. I was done. I would just cry out to God, let this end. So finally, I thought it was going to. He said he wrapped me in the plastic and I laughed. I snapped, thank you, please, please do it. I cried out, please just let it be over. At that point, everybody that was involved, excuse my, they got off on my fear. That's what entertained them, that's what they were looking for was fear. And I wasn't scared anymore. At that point, I was ready. I was no longer afraid to die, I was praying for it. So I began playing the mind games that he started playing on me. He got tired of it. In my truck, he put a hole in my fuel injector and took out one of the spark plugs. Said, get as far as you can. At that point, it became a cat and mouse game. So I drove about an hour away, pulled in a car wash and called the police. They were there within minutes. It was on a Sunday that I made it out. And within two hours, he was arrested. He was sentenced to about 15 years in prison. He's already served almost three. And um, he would have got more, but I was too afraid to testify. After all this happened, I had nine suicide attempts. I had made it out alive, but the prison in my mind was too much to bear, and I thought it would never go away. I had gone to, one of the times after a suicide attempt, I had gone to a mental hospital, and they told me there that they didn't have the resources to give me the help that I needed. The last time I had a suicide attempt, I decided God, I realized God isn't finished with me. I checked myself into rehab, and that's where I renewed my relationship with God. In my darkest moments in my life, that's whenever he held on to me the most. I realized that whenever, you know, rehab, hospitals, even my family, you know, nobody knew how to help me. What I realized is that the help that I needed was inside of me all along. I was born with it and it came to me free. It's still, you know, it's still hard. Sometimes I'll have triggers. My husband has sat with me in the bathroom as I'm having a full breakdown, you know, just you know, triggered or whatever. But I'm here to tell you that like in your darkest moments, that's whenever God is like clinging onto you the most. That's where we can have the most intimate moments with God. So I just, I think I'm supposed to take a little bit more time, but oh, I'm a little good. nervous. So I'm thinking I'm gonna cut it a little short. Oh, you're good. <laughs> but I just wanna tell you, oh, that's one more thing. Mm -hmm. If I didn't grow up in a church and I didn't have God instilled into me after I went through all this, I don't think I would have made it out. It is so important. Instill that into your children. Give them that, that rock and that foundation so that whenever they grow up, if they, you know, God forbid they go any, through anything like that, 
but they have that as their foundation and, and with God's strength, they can make it through anything. We can make it through anything. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you've gone through any hard times recently, you feel you're, like you're alone. I'm here to tell you that you're not. I would love to pray for you, we all would. Um, so just maybe it's time to renew your relationship with God. And I just really wanna encourage you guys to do that today. Thank you. Awesome, give her a hand. And the, the, the part that she didn't share is she actually has written an entire curriculum for people who are coming out of severe trauma and abuse and stuff like that to be able to cope and to process through it. And so it's just incredible to see uh, what God is doing in her and through her with the reality of incredible suffering and incredible pain. We started uh, this morning with Psalm 34, verse 18, that God is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Where is God in the midst of suffering? This verse encapsulates that and encompasses that pretty thoroughly. When our, when our hearts are broken because of the suffering that, that goes on in the world, God is close. And when our spirits are crushed with the remorse and, and the, the guilt that we have for, for the suffering that we've caused, and we repent and we turn to Jesus, he saves us. God is close to the brokenhearted, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit and does some incredible things with it. God, I thank you so much for your goodness to us, as always, Lord. God, I pray that our eyes would be fixed to you, God, that we wouldn't reject you, we wouldn't self-destruct and try to solve it on our own, but God, that we'd accept your will for our lives. We'd accept the love that you have for us, God, to be in relationship with you. God, if there's any person here this morning who has rejected you, is trying to self-medicate because of the pain and the suffering, I pray that your Holy Spirit would draw them closer to you. Lord, it says that you, it's your kindness that leads us to repentance, Lord. So I pray that that, that that would be made known this morning. God, we thank you for it, Jesus, and we pray as we uh, study this idea and this question, where is God in the midst of suffering throughout the rest of this week? God, that you would just bring some incredible testimonies out of what you're gonna do in our lives, God. Lord, we thank you that you don't shy away, you don't reject, you don't ignore our suffering, God, but that you immerse yourself in it, and God, that you have a solution for it, Jesus. So we pray that our lives would glorify you in that, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Okay, wow. That was really a powerful sermon and powerful testimony. Thank you so much for sharing, Nisha. Um, some things I took away from that were um, Romans 8, 28, and we know that all in all things, God works for the good of those who are called according to his purpose, um, that there is purpose in our pain, and that God can use our testimony to help others that are struggling um, in, in their pain as well. Um, and in the darkest moments, we can have the most intimate encounters with God. Um, so how is God going to use your testimony to help someone else that's struggling? So think about that. And um, I just want to thank you all for coming today. Um, afterwards, we're going to be meeting over in the other room, and we're going to be having Super Sunday. Emphasis on the soup. There's going to be a soup contest. And this year, everybody gets to vote. So if you see Jenna, she's going to give you a ticket or a little form to fill out. And
the next step and visit www.thebeatchurch.com and get connected with a community committed to applying these truths in their everyday lives. You can also give now to support our messages by visiting www.thebeatchurch.com give.